As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry, hear that vocal shouting, it's Danger and Jay. All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Brown Live, my decent network working for everyone. Well, your junior, Jay Morrison here at The Athletic as we break down the Bengals' draft. Six picks, another 14 undrafted free agents have agreed to come here. Um, and uh, a busy weekend down at Paul Brown Stadium. Jay, are you officially recovered now? Or are we feeling like... Back to normal after uh, the insanity of last weekend. I am yes. A couple naps yesterday, a little sleep in today, and I'm I'm back to normal. I uh, envy your life, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Sneaking a couple of naps in on a Sunday, I come back to uh, understandably a family saying, "All right, uh, it's time for you to take care of these kids." <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my it, it is funny, like, uh, you know, this time of year and everybody at home, whether it's you talk to the scouts, coaches, um, other people in our business, uh, the, the family at home and uh, wives, husbands, whoever's back there picking up the slack big time because uh, it ends up being a lot of nights, a lot of solo bedtimes, a lot of uh, making meals, a lot of dealing with the meltdowns and everything. And so uh, it is, uh, it was a long, it was a long weekend, but yeah, I'm, I'm, it's good to be back at it and back into the regular routine. That's for sure. See everybody starting to file into the room, which is awesome. Uh, we've got a lot to get to. We know the six picks you get, we've got the undirected free agents are, I have them all listed in the depth chart uh, story that is up on the site right now. Um, an important reminder with these is yes, they have agreed. And even their college programs have tweeted out, congrats on going to the Bengals until they show up and actually sign and pass the physical. I don't like to get too in depth necessarily on what their role is going to be. I have just, you know, being around this for over a decade, man, you just see way too many times that a player that's supposed to come either all of a sudden dips out at the last second or doesn't pass a physical or something happens where they end up not even being here. So the, the whole draft class will show up for rookie camp and that's May, Friday, May 13th. 
So that's when everyone will get into the building. And that is when you will see the announcement of all the undrafted pre-agents come from the Bengals. And that's when we'll get confirmation that everybody that they thought was going to sign did sign is here now. But in general, we know who those guys are supposed to be. But um, keep that in mind that until it's officially official, it's not official, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and, and there could be more. Um, they, yes. they, they have a number of spots open. And, and Zach talked about that in his post-draft press conference about um, they, they have an idea in mind how many people they want to take to camp. We're still a few months away from that. I, I would imagine there will be a, a few vacancies on there. I don't think they're going to start camp at 90, but they've, they've still got a ways to go to even get close to 90. No, there's no doubt. Uh, so everybody, if you, uh, have not been here before, or if you have and just need a friendly reminder, if you have a question you would like to ask, just, uh, request to speak. It'll put you in a line and we will call you up on stage, uh, to ask a question and, um, make sure you check yourself, uh, unmuted when you, uh, are up there on stage and fire off your question and, and off we will go lot to discuss so we have done more than enough hours of podcasts over uh the last weekend you don't need to hear much more from us we'll let you bring the questions and you can drive the bus as uh as i say so let's uh let's start it off jay you ready i am let's do it let's bring evan d up onto the stage to uh kick it off evan you're hitting lead off what's going on hey guys hope you guys are uh feeling all right after a crazy weekend there um, thanks for everything you guys do with all your coverage. Um, I had a quick question. It's not actually draft related. I mean, I guess tangentially it is, but um, I was wondering if there's still any possibility that the Bengals could bring back Quentin Spain. You know, they drafted uh, the North Dakota State guy, but um, wasn't sure if they were looking to, if possible, add a veteran into the room again, someone they're familiar with. That's a, that's a, that's a great question, Evan. Um, here's what I know about the Quentin Spain situation. I, you know, I think there was some, he had a, he had a, a gauntlet of dudes to go against during that playoff run and the, and the, really the, the last two months of the season, but it reflected in his play. It, 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 he was not the same guy that everyone was really pleasantly surprised with for the first, uh, eight to 10 weeks at how well he was playing. Um, now, granted, there was a lot of bad on that line, so comparatively speaking, speaking, he was looking pretty good. But I think there was frustration in it, feeling like, okay, he's wearing down, crossed over 30, um, and just didn't feel like it was – if he's even capable of giving you a full season at a high level of play. So I think the message to him – after the year was basically, look, if, if you would like to come back and play here, that's great. Um, but keep in mind that you're probably not going to be a starter. You know, you would be showing up here as a backup and that would probably entail what a backup interior lineman over 30 makes, which I would assume would be something around the vet minimum for that. And if that's something you want to do, know that's what it is. I think they'd be open to him coming back if he wants to come and compete and sit in the, and be in the back of that room. Or if injuries started to occur, I'm sure he would be a call. He obviously has not signed. I think that's where that stands. They would prefer for it to be amongst the young guys that they have to develop and come along. Um, so for that fact, you know, I don't see it happening. But um, I don't. They're not against it if he wants to come back and, and still play and collect a check. 
Yeah, because there's value there. You look at it. it yes, he wore down and he'll be 31 uh, about a week after camp starts this year. So the, you, you don't want that guy as your starter because of, of the wear and tear and, and kind of that decline in production as the season goes on. But if he is a backup, we have seen him. He, he got here on a Friday and, and played on a Sunday. He, he can be a guy that can come off the bench in a pinch and, and give you a start or two um, and some reps that way and be effective. He's got value in that regard. And if there's, if there's not a market out there for him and he's still available right before camp starts, uh, yeah, you could absolutely see them bringing him in. And he's, he's a, a great personality, a, a, a veteran that brings a lot to the room beyond his play. So it, it would, he would be a fit in that regard, but they, it, it just, it, it, you see the youth movement coming and it, it would have to be one of those situations where he knows he's not going to contribute much, just kind of come in and, and be a voice in the room and a, and a, a last ditch emergency contingency. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that, maybe that's where it goes, but I'm sure he's sitting back waiting to see if anything is going to pop up where he can play and yeah. have a, have a better opportunity than, than they basically told him that would be available here as far as where that stands. All right, let's uh, move on next. Let's bring uh, Robert Z up onto the stage. Uh, Robert, how are we doing? Doing all right. How about yourselves? Doing great. Doing great, great, Robert. The, this question is about Justin uh, Ross. He seems like he's the biggest undrafted free agent available. He's clearly got a lot of talent. You've got guys like T. Higgins tweeting out that he should get signed. But, you know, there was the congenital fusion and the spine. It seems like a lot of teams had him off draft boards because of injuries. Do you know if teams are reaching out to him like the Bengals to see if he might want to join? Or is he just completely off the board because of medicals? I don't, I mean, I don't know specifically, uh, uh, whether teams are reaching out to him. I mean, if, if, if a team was, they were going to get comfortable or be uncomfortable with his medical, um, during the pre-draft process, because obviously the kid's talented. I mean, what he did as a freshman and in that national championship game, I don't know if I was maybe the best, one of the best receivers on that field. And yes, that all that stuff makes sense. So I, you know, people wanted to vet that and figure out what was going on. I'm sure every team had made their decision. The fact that he is unsigned, even as untrapped free agent, I think tells you how everybody probably viewed his injury status. So for that fact, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that teams are just scared out by the medical because there's no way you wouldn't give a chance to somebody that did what he did um, at, at Clemson. Uh, if, if you, if you felt like he could at all return to who he was pre-injury. But I think just the fact that he hasn't gotten any looks, didn't get drafted and still sitting around probably tells you that the the medical was really uh, maybe worse than even we knew. Yeah. I mean, you, you see this all the time where, where guys have medical issues and they slide and end up not getting drafted. And it is, it is a very low risk to, to sign a guy that we're, we're not talking about big contracts to sign him as an undrafted free agent. But when you're talking spine and possibly neck, I just, I, it, it, I think it says a lot that, that nobody has taken a flyer yet. I, I, the last thing you want is for something to happen to the, the kid on your watch, on your practice field, whatever it is. And I just think, uh, 
yes, the talent is crazy. The upside there is tantalizing, but it's, it's just, it doesn't feel like it's something that the teams want to take a chance on. Maybe they get desperate. There's an injury or two uh, closer to camp and you might see him land somewhere, but um, I'd, I'd be surprised if, if he ended up here or really anywhere soon. I, I think this is going to be a wait and see with him. Well, and, you know, I go back to stuff like this. You remember the Rodney Anderson pick a couple of years yeah. back by the Bengals, a six-rounder, and, you know, his medicals were awful. And I was like, yeah, I mean, this guy, he's so good. If he can, if you know, if, if science, if doctors can, can get him back and you can be getting 90% of what he was, man, this will be a six-round absolute. So that's like using an actual pick on a guy. Um <clears throat> You know, and I, I would compare this to that, where you're saying if, if you could tell somebody that you could get 90% of what Justin Ross was and you could get somebody like that, that type of player on your team, teams would be jumping at the chance to bring him in as undrafted free agent or whatever. So I think it's, it's more of a fact of it's just, it, it must be much worse than, than we were led on to believe. I mean, and, and, and we, we knew this was all going to come down to the medical. That's been clear in, in most, most write-ups on them. Uh, let's go on to the next and bring Jared R up on to stage. Jared, how are we doing? Good. How about you guys? Doing good. Doing great. Good. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. appreciate all your draft coverage. Uh, you guys did a great job. Um, but I just had a question about uh, three technique. So they did bring in Carter, obviously, in the third round. Um, do they expect – I know we, you have discussed on your podcast this week and past week that Carter was kind of an edge guy and he moved around a little bit. But do you think that they are going to stick with him as the backup three technique to B.J. Hill? I didn't know if they were going to dip back into the free agent pool after the draft. I know Larry's still out there, but – um, I know Zach made a comment that it's probably his time's probably up. So I didn't know if you had any more insight on what their plan with that position would be. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things with, with all these guys that they drafted that they, there, there's so much versatility there. I, I don't know that there's a hard and fast plan. They, they're going to bring these guys in, see where they fit. Yes, I think that that is the ideal plan, that he's the backup or even at times on third downs playing alongside B.J. Hill. But, you know, you've got Cam Sample can make, has proved he can kick in there a little bit. Um, Sam Hubbard can kick in there a little bit. If if Carter comes in here and he's very explosive off the edge and that's where he's performing better, I don't think they're going to they're going to lock themselves into a role with him. But. That is the idea. They, they knew they had to get a three tech. They got a guy that can play inside. It's just like Dax Hill where he, he didn't play outside corner, but they say he's got all the traits to do it. It's it, the same with Zach Carter. He primarily played on the edge, but they see a guy who did have production inside and, and think that can be his, his main spot, but, but not only spot. So a lot of this is going to get sorted out here in, in off-season work and really more so in camp once they get on the field every single day. I thought this was interesting. I wouldn't say it was – it was a moderate surprise in just how focused on that hybrid build they were. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was surprised how really they – I, I don't like using the word pigeonhole, but how uber focused they were on finding that body type. Heck, even even when you look at the undrafted free agent 
they brought in their uh, let me make sure I get his get his name right off uh Terraquius Tisdale. Same same body type as Zach Taylor. Six five, uh Zach Taylor, Zach Carter, <laughs> six five, two eighty five, you know, hybrid plays both. They I, it, it was apparent that they felt like that was very much missing from their tool belt that type of player and you know they really discovered a lot of comfort with Luana Rumo dialing up that type of a, a defense that was versatile and could do that and obviously Ogan Joby and Hill were kind of the same thing I, I, but the fact that is look he could very easily move inside so yes I mean I think that the point being is that checks both boxes the other hybrid guys they had were more of defensive ends where I think these guys would be uh, hybrid guys that would be more of the three can play the three technique if, if something were to happen to Hill. So, yeah, I think that's where that ends up. And that's what they wanted it to be because the fact that they passed on a lot of other really quality defensive tackles in this draft when they had, when they had the opportunity to, or even when they took Carter probably tells you how much they really were just focused on hitting that certain type of player. And I don't know that I like that. Um, I certainly will be watching in Cleveland, Perry and Winfrey uh, play. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you know, that that's obviously what they felt like they, they needed and someone who could check both of those boxes. And so uh, I don't know if that totally answers the question, uh, but I, you know, I think it was, they, they had a, pretty clear focus on what they felt like they were looking for. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Try again with Taylor C. Maybe that will work. Yeah, there it is. What's up, Taylor? How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Hopefully recovering. Doing good. Doing good. <laughs> uh, absolutely. So I wanted to get um, <clears throat> your thoughts on a couple of things. Uh, I guess you can pick which one you want to answer if you don't want to spend all the time on my question. But I thought overall it was a pretty good draft for Cincinnati. You've kind of mentioned the obvious emphasis on speed, versatility, leadership, all those types of things. Um, the shorter question, I guess, is which of these draft picks do you envision actually making an impact in their rookie season? Is it pretty limited to our first two draft picks that we see as making an impact and seeing significant playing time? Or do you think some of those uh, other guys could be used more often? Uh, But the second kind of longer question was I wanted to get your opinion on um, 
outrage is too strong of a word, but the fans wanting, I guess, confusion over why we didn't get a tight end, why we didn't get a wide receiver. Um, I guess from my view, I think it was a little bit overblown. Hayden Hurst isn't a nobody. The, the 2023 free agent class of tight end seems kind of strong. Wide receiver depth. I guess I'm of the belief that the weapons on this offense can afford us a little bit of flexibility if there is some sort of injury. You know, if T goes down for a few games, I'd rather see Jamar Boyd mix in, maybe Chris Evans get more opportunity versus giving Romeo Dube significant snaps or something like that um, as a rookie. So I want to get your thoughts on those two things uh, and how that panned out for the Bengals. That's a great question, Taylor. I appreciate it. I'll, um, I'll start with the tight end wide receiver stuff and we'll, we'll get into impact. That was, you know, a really interesting thing about this draft. I, I didn't feel like this draft fell particularly well for them. It was just, man, you really felt them being at 31st in those rounds. And I think they, I know they had very specific, they very much had targets at tight end receiver and thought they would be able to knock them off, but they just, never quite matched up and I don't think they were willing to go in early. I mean, you know, a guy like Charlie Kohler, they loved and would love to have brought him in, but you know, they felt like they needed to check off certain, they wanted to check off certain defensive boxes first. And that's where you criticize. Okay. When, when could you have gotten Zach Carter later? I mean, some people would say maybe much later, maybe not, you know, you never really know. Um, but maybe is that the spot you should have considered the tight end or receiver? And, and you're exactly right. I love what you said about, about Romeo Dubs, a guy, a guy from Nevada they liked. Um, but you know, the, the idea of, yeah, you like that, but also the other, some of the other smaller guys, what is their role going to be on offense? Are they going to be kind of like a, a different thing that you don't have a gadget weapon? And the answer would be, well, no, if they want to run gadget plays, they're going to give them to Jamar. They, they've got guys they want to give more balls to all that are their big three. So, you know, the idea that they feel like they would need someone to do some of the other stuff is necessarily true. So you got to be able to play special teams and you got to feel like you're have some dynamic playmaking ability. And I, I, I thought they, it sounded like they were disappointed in the receiver class. Once you got kind of past a few of those guys in the third or fourth round and when you have those big three, the idea of going in early on a fourth receiver, um, it was just too aggressive a play when they felt like they had needs on defense. Yeah, and we did talk about this Saturday where if if they don't trade up twice and trade away picks, you, you would have seen them attack those positions or target those positions. But that's that's the give and take, and and that's where they were they were willing to give away knowing as Paul said that they, they weren't thrilled with the, the, the class once you got a little bit deeper and you know that the, there's so many receivers out there with, with, with what the offenses become in college that you can get some guys in, in undrafted free agency and see maybe one bubbles up and, and is worthy of a roster spot, but they were so focused on, on defense and, and willing to, to give up their shot. I, I think they kind of knew when they made those trades that that was going to be the, the ramification that, that they weren't going to be able to target receiver and tight end and, and getting to your question about the, the biggest impact um, that comes a number of ways. If you're talking snaps, if you're talking starts, but it would be, it would be really interesting to see, or maybe we could do this. We could create 
our own betting odds on which of those draft picks starts the most games because I I think the favorite just because of opportunity might be Cordell Volson. I mean he's he's mm-hmm. I, I I wouldn't bet on him beating out Jackson Carmen, but there's a real chance he could and, and he could be your day one starter. He could take over the job at some point. It's going to be hard for those other guys that got drafted ahead of him to beat out guys. You know, if there's not an injury for them to to step in and be a starter. So it, it could be Volson, the one that has the biggest impact this year, but more than likely it's, it's Dax Hill. It just the, the versatility he brings. He can, he could step in anywhere if there's an injury and even if there's not an injury, you're going to see him playing a lot of snaps and sub packages. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, that they're just, they're creating a role. I, I think they're going to play a lot more three safety every mm-hmm. week. And, and they're certainly, I mean, look, we said it. I, I absolutely think it's true. I mean, if, if you have an injury or two on the outside, he's going to be one of the first names they call on to fill up even the outside corner position, which is not especially. But for now, I mean, just being, you know, the, the backup at three primary positions, um, you know, and having a position created, you know, where you're going to be doing a lot more three safety because you feel like you'll be really dynamic doing that. Uh, man, it really creates um, a chance for he's obviously going to have a chance the, the biggest impact you never know i mean cam taylor brick could come in and be great and beat out eli apple uh immediately I mean, there's plenty of opportunity there for guys to have impact i think it, but the beauty of the Bengals roster at this point is they don't desperately need the biggest impact and the answer to that is not obvious uh that is probably the beauty of kind of where where they're at um right now uh, great question. Let's uh, let's try to bring Blake G back up again because I saw it kind of finally brought him through early earlier, and we were had already moved on. So we're going to try this again and see if maybe it works. I don't know what's going on, but I'm doing my best uh, to see if we can make. I want <laughs> we got to make Blake happen. Okay, Jay. I don't know. He, for some reason, the the connection isn't. It doesn't seem to be going through right. He did pop up on stage. He was on um, uh, two of them were up at once. So maybe he'll, he'll pop in here yeah, in a maybe. second. We can maybe take a question from the chat. I'll and see. The, yeah. You also, you also can hop into the chat if people want to ask questions in there and we'll do, we'll, we'll, let's do that real quick. I'm going to hop here into the chat. Um, let's see here. We've got, I did appreciate this from, from Mike. Uh, so if your team isn't listed as winning the draft or losing the draft, does that mean they tied to the draft? <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I'm not going to break out my favorite white man can't jump line from Rosie Perez. Sometimes when you win, you actually lose. I'm not going to go down that road again. I do it too often, but I feel like that's kind of uh, uh, where we're at. I, I, I am not going to listen to anybody that says, I mean, obviously you can judge drafts a little bit and you, and, and you can look at, the Ravens and see that they absolutely killed it and things like that. But I, the true judgment, it's just really hard to do because it could be bad evaluation. It could be bad evaluation from pundits. It could be overhyped nature uh, from just the way people view certain players or, or the opposite. And it's, it's hard to really tell until they get in and start playing. Blake's on stage though. Here I see him. Blake, are we going to, there we go. I didn't want to. Was, yeah, we made it happen. All right. What's going on? I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing good. Awesome. What you got? All right. I got um, a small question and maybe a little trivia for you guys. Ooh. Love trivia. Okay. Um, 
a small question, I guess. Um, so with them drafting Daxon Hill and Tyson Anderson, um, do you think this kind of spells the end of uh, Brandon Wilson? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, well that, that makes it simple then. <laughs> yeah, I, um, and I personally really like Brandon Wilson. Oh, and he's great. I, I, I like he's a really good dude. I wrote a story about him a couple years ago, and his relationship with uh, Braden Combs, his position coach, and he's a really great guy. Um, and I, this business is just brutal though sometimes, and an injury happens, and it's time to move on. And yeah, it's gonna be hard to see him a spot being around for him. Yeah, I figured with Chris Evans, it might be kind of like being the return man. I think it might. I figured it'd be kind of, he'd be kind of toast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. He's never really been a viable option on defense at safety. He's been a, a for lack of a better term, a one trick pony as a as a kick returner. Um, and he since that year that he led the league, he's he slid a little bit in productive production. And Chris Evans really did a good job in a tough spot. They threw him in there late in the year. He, I, it might have been that. It might have been the the playoff game the first time they put him back there, and he did a solid job. So mm-hmm. you're right. I, I this is it for Brandon Wilson. Gotcha. Oh, okay. And then the small trivia. Um, in the past ten years, um, not including Daxon Hill, obviously. Um, how many of the Bengals' first round draft picks played eighty eighty percent or more of their games their rookie year? Eighty percent of the games. Yes. Just just played, obviously not started. Yeah, okay. just played, not started. Uh, since what? Since when do you say? Since I'm sorry. Ten years, so 2012. Last ten years. Okay, all right. Uh, first round uh, picks. Well, not many. Well, I mean, they were hardly playing snaps for a long run. I mean, there was a right. run of injuries and Marvin not being a fan of playing guys a bunch right away. I mean, where you had obviously a boy he didn't, Quez didn't. Uh, play much. William Jackson got hurt. John Ross we have the memorable 17 snaps. Uh, he, I'm trying to. Eifert got him. hurt. Eifert. Uh, Eifert played. No, Eifert. Uh, he played a decent. Oh, he did. Yeah, his, you're right. He played. He played a decent amount his rookie year. He started getting hurt yeah. after that. Actually, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. You go back 12. You had Dre and Zeitler. Zeitler, Zeitler did. He played a ton, but Dre was one of the was kind of amongst the red shirt corners that you had that you had seen. Yeah, not many. I mean, what, maybe two or three, probably eighty yeah, yeah, percent. Until until you got since, into uh, into Burrow and you know. Yeah, so since two thousand twelve, um Jamar Chase obviously played all sixteen games. Uh Zeitler played all sixteen games or seventeen I guess for Jamar. Um and ironically Tyler Eifert was the mm-hmm. only other one that he played 15 out of 16. Everybody else was injured or yeah, they just got injured during their rookie season. Yep. Or before. So that, yeah. yeah, no, that's, it's, I mean, there was that, it's kind of funny. I mean, I felt like every year we would be writing a story around this time of, okay, this is the year of the Bengals. It's going to be like, they're getting two first round picks because <laughs> the one from the previous year would roll over and it never did. It was just, over and over again, it never did until, you know, you kind of had uh, Jamar play in the full year at Joe. Um, and really, you had Higgins. It was all kind of finally came together. But it was, yeah, it was so rare uh, to get that, the double up. Um, 
where you had finally paid off for you and it really didn't happen until this this past year great question and always appreciate the trivia thanks thanks for coming up on stage blake yep thanks have a good day Ash. thanks blake all right all right let's just take a quick break looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events we've got the spot our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Bring Joshua B up here to chat. What's going on, Josh? Hey, a huge Bengals fan, and really appreciate your work on the Athletic, Paul. Awesome. Um, Thanks, and yeah, Jay, I really, right? I really enjoy it. It's always, it's always very sensible. It, it's oh. never like over the top. It's never too low. It's never too high. It's always very, um, very sensible. So I really oh, well, appreciate I, your work. I am like that. I'm like that with the Bengals. Don't ask my family about my sensibilities, though, with everything else. Very high, very low. <laughs> I was going to see if we could clip this 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 conversation. And we've got our, our annual reviews coming up here pretty soon. We we, we should uh, pass this on to our bosses. You That's should. Yeah, I'd, be, I'd, be I'd be happy to give I'd be happy to say that to your bosses. Um, so. I unfortunately am not as sensible a fan as (laughs) you are. Um, And I find myself, the more I look at the other teams in the AFC North, the more I find myself feeling really confident that if the Bengals sign one of these defensive tackles, who's a free agent, you can say Sheldon Richardson, you could say Malik Jackson, you could say Adama Kungsu, obviously they're different talent levels, right? And obviously they cost different amounts of money, but assuming that the Bengals find anybody um, to sort of, sort of fill that little, I don't want to say hole, cause it's not even really that big of a hole. It's more like, sort of add the depth and add the um, capability to sort of handle snaps there. With the exception of the Ravens, I feel the division got worse. And before people say, well, Deshaun Watson, look at how great he is. Um, He was, you know, once upon a time, it's been two years. I mean, do we expect no rust whatsoever? I mean, we're going to Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. For the Steelers, and I get it that the Ravens are really good, but they just traded Hollywood Brown, who's arguably their second weapon. And so when I when I try desperately to like go down and be sensible the way you are, I find my hopes sort of getting up. I get it that we lost C.J. Uzama, but I don't think Vollmer's that bad. And I mean, I get it that he's probably not as good as C.J., but. I don't think it's like such a drop off where I'm like, oh, my God, where's the production going to come from? I mean, do you do you have trouble seeing my sort of optimism or or am I just overrating the Bengals? No, I, I, I don't think that there should be any lack of optimism around this team. I, I don't think that they 
lost much of anything that they didn't basically replace and they gained a lot. I mean, look, the, the amount that they are going to gain by giving Joe Burrow 15% more clean pockets. Let's just say that alone where he is just ruthless. Uh, I mean, you're, you then end up with a far more dynamic offense before even getting into anything else that they did with the draft and this entire offseason. And what did they lose? And what did they really lose? I mean, the entire starting defense essentially is back and they're adding Joseph Osai and a first, second, third and fifth round pick into their depth. So, you know, yeah, you lost Larry Joby. Okay. I mean, the, the, the defense was very quietly in, in an under discussed way, really what carried them to the Super Bowl. I mean, the, they were surviving off Joe Burrow taking 70 sacks, and the offense wasn't scoring a ton in the playoffs. The defense getting turnovers was was carrying them, and they added significantly um, to that and are bringing everybody back in that system again to, to go do it. And then the offense is obviously going to be much better. I think you could see the offense realistically being a top-five group this year with a real line. And so I, that's, to me, I don't see where – Anybody would come off and say the Bengals are going to be worse, other than the schedule's harder, the division's harder. The well, you would say, you would say CJ Uzama, right? I mean, you would say that the way we're worse, if you have to pick like a place, is CJ Uzama was a very reliable tight end. But what does that mean, like in actuality? That means like five. I, I don't know how much drop off there really is going to be. From I, I don't think on the field there is much difference between what you can get from Hayden Hurst and what you got from CJ Uzama. I, I mean, Hayden Hurst. Mm-hmm. And when he was featured in Atlanta, put up actually more production um, than CJ did last year. And that was CJ's best year. Hayden Hurst is younger. You know, he's they they said, uh, I think it was Jeff Hobson that mentioned this on our uh, mock draft last week. He was like, you know, I thought it was really interesting that when Zach was talking about Hayden Hurst, that this is our kind of tight end that they're looking for. Yeah. He is a little more straight line speed. He can run a little bit more of the schemed open leaks and deep crossers and things like that that they like to do with those guys and even just run the scene and and burrow can take such advantage of that and if that feels like they hit him more then then maybe he's even a a better fit for what they're doing now they miss cj in the locker room and so much of what they did last year was based on chemistry and 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 all that stuff that they have there but they have the culture so strong i don't know that's going to kill them so all long-winded way of saying i don't i don't have I don't know why anybody would have pessimism uh, about this team right now. I feel like they're better and they were in, went to the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always that, that I don't know if it's criticism or concern that catch lightning in a bottle. Can they replicate it? But when you bring back the, the quality of players they're bringing back and uh, a note about CJ and Hurst too, that, what Paul said was right that that he had good production in Atlanta. If you, I mean, he's a first round pick, and this is really going to be his first time to to kind of shine as the guy. They they drafted Mark Andrews. Uh, he had to compete with in Baltimore. Then he then the Ravens or the the Falcons take Kyle Pitts, and he's got to compete with him for snaps. And he, he's he's and not just snaps, but catches and targets. And that's not going to be the case with Drew Sample. Um, this is this is going to be Hayden Hurst is going to be your number one target as a receiver. And yes, there's there's so many great wide receivers that 
that that might limit his production. But as far as being the tight end, this is a great chance for him. And I, I don't, I, I don't see that as a drop off. It might even be an improvement outside of what Paul mentioned with what CJ meant in the locker room. And then on defense, 10 of 11 starters back and really you're plugging BJ Hill in for Ogan Joby. That's, that almost feels like a wash there. Um, I haven't studied what the other teams did. You know, you kind of follow it along as it's going. Um, it seemed like pick after pick, you're like, wow, the Ravens are killing this draft. And then you look at it when it's over and, you mentioned it. They, they traded away Hollywood Brown and they didn't draft another wide receiver. And yes, you've got a, a dynamic running quarterback in Lamar Jackson, but we've all seen what this league has become. And it, that is, that is a glaring hole that that wide receiver core they have there. It's, it's, I, it'll be interesting to see. I, I know they've been out already, but we'll, the post draft odds to win the division, um, I, I think you're going to see the Bengals increase. And be the overwhelming favorite to win this division again this year. Yeah, cause Pittsburgh ain't it. No, Pitt, Tom, Tom <laughs> I mean, they're going to be relying on. They think they're going to be relying on run game and defense. I assume, but uh, you know, it ain't I, the seventies. Yeah, and and Tomlin pulls the magic out every year, and they stay away from these losing records. But when you just just it, you know, so often you can just look at who's the quarterback. And I'll tell you who's going to win the division. Uh, you know, they're just so far on a different level that I don't. I, it's un, it's unovercomable. I, I don't. I don't know how you possibly overcome the fact that Trubisky or Pickett is your quarterback versus Watson, Jackson, and Burrow. I just. I don't. I, it. I don't know how it's possible. Uh, no matter how good your defense is, no matter how good your running game is, in, in today's NFL, it's not. All right, we got a bunch more questions lining up. And uh, let's let's try to crank through some here. Let's go and bring uh, Wade S up onto the stage. Um, what's going on, Wade? How are you? Oh shit! <laughs> what's up? Hello. Okay, don't freak out. Calm hey. down. You there? Oh, you yeah, we're here. Sneak up on you. We all right, great. Sorry, You're I didn't expect good, to even get in. Hey, we're um, here. we got thanks. you. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, love your guys' stuff. Um, my question was. About the defensive line in training camp, um, I like with everything that we got, plus uh, what we already have, like with Gunter, and then the guy we drafted in the third round—I forget his name. Um, Carter. Yeah, yeah, right, Zach Carter. Yep. Where do you guys like? How do you see them figuring this out as far as the depth goes? How many guys you think they keep in the end? Is it going to be ten again? You think or? Where do you see that competition going? I don't think it'll be 10. Um, you've got the bigger practice squads now. Uh, well, I mean, they had the, that was the same as last year, but I just, you've got so many guys that can do both inside and outside. I, I think, you know, you know who the starters are. It's just going to be a matter of what those sub packages look like. I, Osai, um, the, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, with Gunter and, and Wyatt Hubert last year's seventh round pick. I mean, that, that it doesn't feel like there's room for both those guys. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is, but it's again, it's, it's one of those things where they've got to figure this out. Who, who fits where the, the versatility is great, but, but you still need to have a, a primary spot. And, and that's what these next few months are going to be to see how that lines up. And um, it's the, 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 the depth chart is going to be, 
worth what it's print with the paper it's printed on because it is they they'll list them one way but these guys could be moving all over that line well i mean i, I think 10 maybe is the right number um i mean they they've certainly kept that before they've kept more than that before but you're right with the up and down you don't have to uh, either way i mean you know i've got the four starters and then eight people listed as kind of backups that's 12 you but you basically have Gunter and Hubert in a in a battle mm-hmm. uh, to see who who's going to be the scrappy seventh rounder that that makes the team. And I, I would say, you know, Khalid Kareem and Cam Sample are, are probably kind of competing against each other there too. Um, but I think Hendrickson, Reader, Hill, Hubbard, Osai, Tupo, Zach Carter, um, and Shelvin. I I would think you know we'll see how he comes back, but Shelvin coming back as a a backup. You know, to DJ Reader at, at the at the, at the big spot and in your heavy packages, you know, I, I think those that weed itself out, and you're sitting there staring at ten with a with some probably some quality you like on the, on your practice squad, and that's about right. You know, I think that I think that fits about right, and you like that. I mean, I, I think there's a, a lot of you probably would like to have one more really nice edge rush. Like you would love to have two Corvettes coming off the edge in your sub package, you know, uh, because you, you worry about injury to Hendrickson. He's one you really don't feel like you really don't want to lose. Not that you couldn't make Osai be an everyday guy. Maybe he is that quick, but you just don't know it. And then who's your third, you know, then you're, you, that, that, that feels like eh, the one thing you probably would like to have a little bit more, but maybe Hubert becomes that maybe Gunter becomes that like we, you don't, that's what it's for. We haven't seen these guys play. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's hard to know for sure. But if I, I mean, I think it's at a nice spot. I think this is what it'll look like. And I think, I think tens of tens are probably a good number there. Um, all right, let's go try to crank through a few more here. Uh, let's bring John O up onto the stage. Uh, John, are you there? What's happening guys? What's going on? Hey John. I wanted to get, your take first on your thoughts on my one of my favorite Bengals, the crocodile hunter, Trent Nerwin, making the team. And then also, we haven't heard what you guys drank afterwards. Oh, wow. That's a, good, that's a good question, John. I appreciate it. Uh, we, well, we went down, we, we should start with the good question. We went down to walk down to the, the banks and to the Dora. And it's funny, like you're in the hole inside of the stadium for three days and you don't think about the fact that it's Saturday night and people are, you know, living their lives and like, <laughs> it's packed. Like, oh, wow. This is very crowded down here. So we, we had one, we couldn't get into yard house. We had one went into Jeff social and I went to have a, a Woodford reserve, but it came in like, they gave it to me in a plastic cup with all kinds of ice. It was very disappointing. And uh, so we ended up going down to Moreline Lager House and, and had a couple of beers down there with a good uh, a good crew of folks. Um, well, the other question, uh, let's see, was about oh yeah, the, the crocodile hunter, right? Trent Irwin, t- film and TV star, Trent Irwin. Uh, <laughs> not probably not great, you know. I mean, Trent Taylor really established himself uh, last year, but you know, Irwin. Irwin came in and in the in camp and beat him out. So you know another good camp. Maybe maybe he opens up more eyes. But I think the confidence that they gained in Trent Taylor 
uh, last year during the playoff run as, as that returner, a position they did not address, um, probably gives him the one up there. Yeah, when you're saying make the team, I, not 53, probably not. Paul's right, but I, I could definitely see him being one of the, the guys they keep because they are a little thin at slot right now. So I could see him sticking around on the practice squad. Well, before it crashes anymore, let's uh, try <laughs> to go through a couple. And I see Natasha B has shown up uh, to close us out. So we'll get to her in a second. First, let's go Brian B. Bring you up on stage. What's up, Brian? Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing good. Great. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, sorry, I joined this a little late, but I got a um, question on Quentin Spain. Do you think there's any chance he comes back now with uh, with Volson? Uh, we did we did address this earlier. Uh, I, I you know I don't think so. I think they view him as kind of a backup, and they kind of said that to him that you know he, he didn't play as well at the end of last year, over thirty. Um, it may be if they have some injuries or feel like they need to add a body in camp, they can. I think it's open to him to come back and play, but he would know that he would be a backup. Nice. And what about um, Mo Sanu potentially coming back as a fourth receiver? Huh. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I love Mo and they love to bring people back that they know. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know their view. I mean, when I look at the list of some guys that are available, Emmanuel Sanders stands out to me. Uh, he, Brian Callahan has a history with him in Denver and loved him as a guy. He's, I mean, he's 35, but he's played fairly well, played in big games. Uh, he, he has inside outside versatility. I, I would point to that more so than, than Sanu, but sure. I mean, they have a history of, you know, they like guys that they know and personalities they feel like they could trust. And Sanu would certainly be one of those. I mean, yeah, that might not be out of the question. I think they'll be looking. I think they'll be poking yeah. around in the, amongst the free agents and seeing maybe who is a fit because I, it does feel like a hole right now if something were to happen to one of their receivers. I mean, how, how much do you really like Mike Thomas? I don't, I don't know that you like the answer to that as much. Cool. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. Let's, uh, uh, let's go Aaron and then we'll wrap it up after that with Natasha. What's up, Aaron? You with me? Uh, I hear Can you hear me? I hear, I hear you. Yeah, we hear you. Hey, all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, just uh, one question about the way they do things. Do you think Duke Tobin wants the GM label or not? Like, to me, it just seems weird that he doesn't have that label considering what he does. I, I, don't I don't think, think he would he, still I, be I here. I don't think he wants it. Yeah, no, yeah he wanted it. He, if he wanted it, he would have gone somewhere else. I, I, I've talked about this a little bit in the past. And I'm glad you asked about this, Aaron. Uh, Duke loves his job. He loves being in that chair. And he loves the anonymity of it here in Cincinnati. <laughs> he, he loves the fact that you know the that you can you feel you can kind of feel like you're doing it without any of the stuff so let's be honest is a pretty pain in pretty much a pain dealing with uh in other markets including just a high end intensity and pressure to you know to feel like every year one one not so good year your owner is going to bail on you and uh you know the fact that he's been here forever and he's basically a part of the family now at this point uh i don't think he cares what any titles say what they do. He just loves working here and, and doing the job that he does. And, you know, 
do you need this? Does he need to have GM on a business card if you're sitting up at the front of the press conference next to the owner? Um, when you introduce the head coach, I don't know that you do, and I don't think he feels like he needs that. No, not at all. Uh, thanks for the question, Aaron. I appreciate it. Oh, We're going to wrap this thing up here, and there's only one place we like to wrap it up here in the Bengals' <laughs> live rooms, and that's go directly to Hawaii. Uh, Natasha, how are we doing? Morning, guys. Doing well. How are you? Uh, doing great. Doing we great. missed you on the last the island. one. I, it was just too early, man. It was too early. <laughs> I even missed the beginning of this one. I got to get up sooner. <laughs> and I don't have waves for you guys. I have jury duty this morning. So. Oh, wow. no. Wow, jury duty. <laughs> but I'm many, glad many I got people, to listen. People love jury duty, I should say. It's, a, it, it's actually a very popular way for people to pass their time. I hope you enjoy it and enjoy our legal system. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'll try. <laughs> So, like I said, I did miss the beginning, and I can't imagine this hasn't already been addressed, but I'll have two questions just in case the first one has been done. But is there any possibility of a Jesse Bates-Dax Hill combo starting next season, and it's really Von Bell that we end up losing, not Jesse? And secondly, it just feels like the Bengals are going to be crazy deep at defensive line, at offensive line now in the secondary. Are the Bengals the deepest team in the league now? That's a that's a good question. Defensively, uh, maybe they, their secondary certainly feels like I mean, because they have not just the top tier starters, but now you have such capital put into your into your backups. I mean, the idea that there's no place for Dax Hill to play immediately um, is just wild um, considering his pedigree and how good he is. And people think he's going to be. And then a second round pick that's just sitting there. I, I mean, I agree with, I, I think that they certainly have as, as good a depth as anybody in the league. I mean, if you really went roster for roster, maybe you could make an argument for a couple of teams. Uh, but Man, I, it's 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 hard to see one that's too much deeper uh, than the Bengals are right now, which is I think why they were kind of partially comfortable trading a couple of picks away because where are they all going to go? You know. Yeah, th- th- going back to that previous question about how many they keep on the D line, that's why I was thinking maybe they would go lighter there because they they are so loaded on the back end as well. But it's the, the way the league has changed; they're they're playing over seventy percent of their snaps in nickel. You don't need a deep wide receiver class, so or a linebacker class. So you could see them going. Uh, heavy at both D line and defensive back. And as far as Bates, I mean, never say never, but this is, it, it's just one domino after another. They take Dax Hill in the first round. They, they take 12.6 million that could have gone to a Jesse extension and commit it to Jonah Williams on Friday by putting the, the French or the, uh, the fifth year op uh, exercising his fifth year option. They, they get another safety in the fifth round. They, they get a, they they load up with a you know Cam Taylor Britt um, also there that kind of frees up Dax maybe to play more safety as opposed to corner. It just with every step along the way, it, it looks like a step away from Jesse Bates returning next year. And I don't think it's impossible that you would see twenty twenty three be Tyson Anderson and Dax Hill as your starting safety combo. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you absolutely could see that. And mo- that will mostly probably just depend on how much Anderson comes along this year. Uh, because they really, really like him. I think they, they thought of him as a potential third round guy and, and 
you know, they certainly could see him being a starter next year for you and how he comes along versus how Von Bell plays, you know, are they, would they bring Von Bell back on a one or two year deal just to keep it going? If they felt like Anderson needed another year, maybe, but yeah, Bates, I mean, he bait and Bates is, let's look at this from the player perspective. I mean, I think he's clearly aligned himself to wanting to just hit the open market. He wants to be a free agent. He wants to go somewhere where a team's going to pay him what all the guaranteed money he feels like he deserves mm-hmm. and, and have that, that be that. And I think he has set himself up perfectly to just go play one more season and, and then that will be the case. Uh, and so from his perspective too, uh, it, it kind of does take two to tango there. And I, I, it'd be hard. It's just really hard to see him him coming back and be fun. I think, you know, those two guys playing next to each other, maybe we'll see it some this year for sure. Uh, will be, would be fun, but yeah, I think it's probably it, uh, for him. Thanks, Natasha. I appreciate it as always. And, uh, go enjoy the beach. All right. Sure did. We did it. We did. She's like, yeah, I'm gone. I just, I'm <laughs> hanging up. I'm going to take a swim. Uh, Thanks for listening again. Reminder tomorrow, uh, Tuesday night, seven o'clock. We are planning right now to have our live show at 50 West Brewing Company with Bengals director of college scouting, Mike Potts. We're going to be monitoring the weather on that, uh, and check out storms and talk with them at 50 West about what else they have. Always have so much stuff going on out there, whether if there would be, uh, enough indoor space for us to move if we need to in case of storms. So we're going to double check on that, but. Uh, for right now, all systems go, uh, planning to go down to 50 West, seven o'clock live show. Mike Potts, myself, Jay, should be a ton of fun. Really looking forward to it. More draft recap and keep everything locked in the athletic as we, uh, keep cranking out, uh, all the draft reaction stuff. A lot more stuff coming this week. So, uh, thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody. Mm-hmm.